Welcome back. I am your host, Gary Sheffield Jr. This is Chef Talk, which is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the performance package. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. That will be 20% off using the code CHEF at manscaped.com. Do not forget that code. It's the only way you're going to get the deal. We have a fantastic show today. Um, I know I took a week break, but there was not a whole lot going on in baseball. I know a lot of the guys over at our team, I had a little bit going on, so it was just not the best week for me, but we are talking other things other than baseball as well. We're obviously talking lockout. Um, I have an idea of how we fix baseball and how we grow this game as well. Um, that has to do with kids. Um, I know kids are not coming to games and, and I understand why, obviously they have all the entertainment, the Netflix, the video games, multiplayer. I get all that. Um, I play games too. Um, and I think I have an idea that might help the kids want to go, not just actually forcing them. So, um, and then we also, I, I have a question about the lockout and, and exactly what the players are doing with the association. They're sending rich guys. They're sending the top, they're sending top flight guys, Max Scherzer's, Garrett Coles, all these guys who are already set. And I've always wondered why they don't send a mixed group of guys, um, some rookies, some guys who are maybe in the middle of arbitration deals like a Chris Bryant. Um, we'll talk about all that. Um, Wheel of Fortune. I, I There was a huge issue, I guess, with Wheel of Fortune. I just read in it to maybe early this morning and, and people were just shitting all over this guy. I have to defend him a little bit. Um, and then apparently there's a lawsuit going on with this chick. Her name is Dua Lipa. So I, I am not sure who this chick is. I know the song that she sings. Um, it's called Levitating. And there's a lawsuit going around. I'll explain all of it in detail and, and what I think about the lawsuit. So, so we're talking lockout. And it seems everybody has an opinion right now on the lockout. You're either pro player, you're pro owner, or you are mixed. You're just a mixed bag. You're right in the middle. You want both sides to come to a middle ground agreement. And ultimately, I, I've said I do side with the players. And it seems that people aren't quite understanding what the players are going through. And they're trying to compare Major League Baseball players to the middle class. And that is exactly what the owners want you to do. And I know plenty of people have said that the owners are trying to fool the fan. And while that's true, I think that's too basic and it's just, it's too broad of a statement. So I wanted to explain exactly what I mean by that. They know that the fan is going to be looking at the players and saying they're millionaires. So if I was a millionaire, which we're never, we're not never going to be, we should not be comparing ourselves to collective bargaining agreements between millionaires and billionaires. We do not relate. And as much as they're still that owner, employee, the employer, that, that entire dynamic, which is, is still true and it's very relatable for us, we also are usually very replaceable. If I'm working my job and I needed to be replaced tomorrow, my job would replace me in less than 12 hours. The same goes for the majority of people listening to this chat today. The majority of people listening to this podcast would be able to be replaced. And the one thing about Major League Baseball players in which they're well aware of, especially now and maybe not in 2015 in the bargaining agreement that they agreed to, 
they understand that they're not replaceable. And there's so many things that need to be changed. There was the DH, there's the, there's the manipulation with contracts with young players not being called up in time. There are so many, there's the, there's the DH. There are so many different things. You've got the tax, the players all want it at once. And what the fans are looking at and saying is you're not going to be able to bite the entire apple. You just can't, you, you can't swallow the whole apple. You have to take a bite and, and essentially take what you can get and move this thing along. So we don't destroy baseball. What people don't understand is it's not the player's job to accommodate us. Okay. It's not. It's their job once the once everything has been settled to now entertain us once they get on the field. That's their job. And people are getting it mistaken that it's the player's job to get and rush back to the field. And I tweeted earlier this week, it's not their job. We need to make sure we're being patient and supportive and making sure that the players feel empowered to wait this out as long as they have to, to get the right deal. Because ultimately, if the players get a bad deal, we are going to be punished. We are. And as much as people don't believe that, the, 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 the new tax and whatever number that they end up agreeing to, that's going to directly impact the product on the field. You saw Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer came out and said, we need to find a way to get teams to no longer lose on purpose. If, if teams are tanking, if teams are going to tank and there's, there's really no punishment for tanking, if they don't, if they essentially say, we'll take this and we'll take that, but we're essentially going to fold early on in the offseason to make sure we all have baseball, then you can't, they can't guarantee that people are going to be trying to compete. People in Baltimore, people who are rooting for the Orioles or the D-backs or the, or the Royals, you cannot guarantee that they're going to try to compete. And that's what they're trying, that's what they're attempting to do. And people are right in the middle of it, moaning and complaining and saying, well, I'm not on the player side. Because they, they feel that too many people are saying they're on the player side. So everybody has to be different and say, well, I'm not on the owner side either. So I'm right in the middle. What? That it doesn't, it doesn't make sense because if you're actually on the player side, you're all the way on the player side. That doesn't mean that they're going to get everything that they ask for. We understand that that's common sense, but we also have to understand it's going to take a long time. If you look at the details of what the players are asking for, there's a lot they're asking and we understand that and it's going to take a long time because the owners don't feel they have to do it that's the real gist of this argument is if we don't have to give you an extra dollar we will not and the more that they ask for and there's been guys on on MLB TV who have spoken about it and they've said the owners don't really care about losing the first month of the season and that should worry the fans because what it tells you is that the owners do not care about baseball. They don't. They do not care about baseball because regardless of what people are being paid and, and how many people are attending games, we care about the game of baseball in the first month of the season. We just do. We care. The only reason that they would actually get them on the field this early is because they actually care about the sport. And the owners understand that the players were worth far more than the fan understands. They People really don't get how lucrative these players are for ownership. They don't get it. They look at Juan Soto and say, he turned down 300 what million? He's worth 350 million? Oh, he's worth much more than that. Juan Soto, the Bryce Harpers, that's the whole reason. And I've said maybe two or three episodes ago, that's the reason that owners tell us 
the exact amount of contract for the, the entire length of the contract. They, they tell you the total because they want you to see that big lump sum number. And what it does is it turns the fan against the player. Partially because of jealousy, because people look at players and say, well, they're an employee just like I am. No, you are not. You are not similar to Major League Baseball players. You are doing a job. I am doing a job. The majority of America is doing a job that can be replaced at 30 minutes notice. Your boss has already thought about replacing you. It's life. The majority of America is walking around with a full understanding that they do not, that they, first off, they all want more money. That's all of us do. And uh, most of us do not ask for more money because we understand our boss, after being asked for more money, might look to replace us. But the players are in a position that we are not. They cannot be replaced. And some will even believe maybe you can go into the minor leagues or international and replace some of these guys. Juan Soto and Fernando Tatis, if they don't want to play at, at these current, um, if, if with these current rules, we'll go find guys that do. And Fernando Tatis Jr., Juan Soto, they can't be replaced. They don't, they're not sitting in the Dominican right now waiting to play in Major League Baseball. They're not. They're not. Those guys cannot be replaced. By, by someone who, who quit baseball or is currently sitting in, in double A right now. They can't be replaced. Those are future Hall of Famers. They're never going to be to replace. And people, people really think they're replaceable. So you got guys that are pissed at players. Fans are pissed at players. And for the most part, it's against ownership, but you have plenty of guys. Can we all just come together and figure it out? But what people don't understand is this is a leverage game. The, right now, let me break it down. Perfect is exactly what it is, okay? I, I don't have all the answers, but from my point of view, this is what we're looking at. We have the owner sitting in a corner, the player sitting in a corner. The players are asking for a lot because they understand the product can't go without them. The owners understand that the players can essentially wait out the entire first month. It will not hurt the owner's Financially, it will not hurt their pockets. It will not hurt TV deals. With that said, the fans' pressure is going to push the players back to the table before the first month ends, which is going to throw all power back to the owners, which is why owners usually win these debates. They usually win the negotiation because of that. Fan pressure. And people think, Oh, I'm pro, I'm pro baseball. I'm pro baseball. I just want to see baseball. If you're pro baseball, you're pro player. That's what you should be. Don't look at them like cattle who just entertain you. They're doing much more than that. These are, these are real people. I don't understand how people are, are going to tell me that they went to games in the eighties and nineties and early two thousands, and that they were such a student and fan of the game. Yet They don't sympathize whatsoever with the players. They don't. They see them as spoiled brats. If you are a real fan of baseball, you don't see the talent in your favorite sport as brats. That doesn't make sense to me. We do it all the time. People do it all the time. They message me privately and say, you mean to tell me that you wouldn't come play for $300 million? And that's exactly what I alluded to at the very beginning. Stop trying to compare yourself to people making $300 million. It's not, that's not a game we should get into. 
Because when you make $100,000, you think you're worth 150. So you start asking for 150. Someone making 50,000 wouldn't ask for 150. That's just common sense. Yeah, people just don't, they, they don't, it doesn't compute. They, they don't, they do not want to recognize it at all. They want to just look at it and say, well, I would play in under the conditions that they're under in no shit. You would play. Oh, you would, oh, you would quit your job at, at, at Del Taco and, and go play for the Washington nationals for 215 million. Oh, would you, I don't, I don't know what to tell these people. I really don't. And ultimately what ends up happening is people are so selfish that they need to be entertained, that they're willing to let the majority of major league baseball players just get screwed. You're in a position where you can win an MVP and play on league minimum the next year. Mike Trout did it multiple times. Go win MVP, completely irrelevant. And people look at it and say, well, Mike Trout, he, he ended up, it worked out just fine. He ended up getting rich. But did he get rich when he was supposed to get rich? There was an owner sitting up top in Artie Moreno who's raking in all the money off Mike Trout and Mike Trout's making 500 Gs. And you have the, the middle-class average American looking at Mike Trout and saying, well, I don't feel sorry for you. You're making 500,000. Look what I'm making. You're not Mike Trout. I'm not Mike Trout. No one in the world is Mike Trout. And people compare. They, they do. They, they cannot stop themselves. They really can't. They look at it and say, I, I just, I would, I would agree to these conditions. And the way you personally, and I'm talking to you, the way you feel about what the players should agree to, only the players can tell us what should be agreed to. No one else should have an influence at all. Nobody. And yet we sit here and, and people just go back and forth about the player should take 235 million. The, the player should take 244 million. We don't know what's going on. We don't know what's true. We have, we have, we have the Bob Nightingales. We have the Ken Rosenthal's. We have people tweeting things that are just completely contradictory of one another. And they're all telling a story, trying to get you to change your mind about somebody, whether it's the owners, the players, the agents, it doesn't matter what it is. They're trying to change and control the narrative. It's a, a complete, it's just a narrative game. That's all I'm looking at. And Will Middlebrooks, he tweeted earlier this week, and I thought it was brilliant. He mentioned that he wished that the media was doing a, really a proper job of letting us know what's actually going on. He recognizes it, that they're paid off. They are. You saw it with Ken Rosenthal. He was fired from MLB Network because he criticized the commissioner of the league. He was hurting their negotiation for a new CBA, hurting it. So they got rid of him. So now the new writers are looking at it and saying, well, we're in the middle of a lockout. Can I really report what's happening? Ken Rosenthal's situation has proven you cannot. You need to write down exactly what needs to be written down to help the owners. That's your job. Help the commissioner who is the lawyer for the owners, which people seem to forget because they, they tell me every day I see it. Rob Manford sucks. Rob Manford sucks. Dude's a lawyer. He's a lawyer for people you should hate and you don't, you should hate the owners. 
because most of them don't like baseball. That's all I'm going to say about that. They don't like baseball. We are focused on the wrong people. Focus on the wrong people, guys. And they're not worried about growing the game. I personally have tried to figure out ways and you have to get creative. It's not easy. How you get kids in the, how you get kids in the park. How do you get young adults, 17, 18, 19, entering into college? How do you get them to go to the park? And personally, it's a, an acquired taste. Baseball is not a sport. You're going to show up and watch as a 17 and 18 year old, almost a grown man. You're not going to look at it and say, this is just incredibly intriguing. You have to get into baseball at an early age, learn exactly what's so enjoyable about it. It's exactly like golf. When you watch golf on TV and you've never played it, people will tell you, this looks like the most miserable sport I've ever watched. Most miserable sport I'd ever play. And I understand that. As a person who loves golf, loves Tiger Woods, uh, loves a lot of these golfers in today's game, I can sit down with somebody who doesn't watch and I go, I understand exactly why they're miserable. My idea is that we need to find a way to get kids by choice into the park. And my idea is this, 10 years old and under, get into baseball stadiums free. And not only that, there's, there's two extra things to this. Not only will 10 and under get in for free to try to build some type of relationship with the kids and give them a real, I mean, it's free. I, I don't know what else you're supposed to say about that, but you get to the park and they open the gates earlier. They need to open the gates earlier. When I was a kid and I was going to games in the late nineties and early two thousands, the parks were open five or six hours early. Now it's three hours, two or three hours. You can barely watch batting practice. You can barely get down there to get an autograph. It's totally different. They're, they're just, it's high security, not exactly sure what they've got going on there, but it's tight. They need to figure out a way to open up these parks. Get the kids there early, free and early. If you get to the park at three o'clock, the game's at six, you watch batting practice and they come up with autograph zones. Now, here's the trick about autograph zones. And I've, I've discussed this privately with a few people and they've said, well, you can't exactly put the players in a position where every single day they have to come out and sign autographs because you're going to make guys good guys and bad guys. You're going to, players don't want to be turned into the villain, and you're right. But here's what the players can do. They can go on Twitter. They can go on any social media platform on Instagram and say, my schedules for autographs are at 4 o'clock or two hours before game time on Tuesdays and Thursdays, or you can say the first game of a homestand, which was my roommate's idea. and a great idea. You can literally show up to the park and you know exactly what you have to do to be able to get an autograph. That way, no one can complain anymore that, well, Aaron Judge didn't see me and he didn't give me an autograph or Vladdy Jr. Vladdy Jr. didn't give me an autograph. Now we have something set in stone where players, if they want an autograph, can show up early enough. Now we know that not only can they get their autograph, but they're at the park from three to likely eight, nine o'clock at night, when you're anywhere from three to nine, you're going to learn the game. You're going to love the game. You do not love baseball without learning it. You don't just turn it on and, and for the wow factor. That's not what baseball is about. It's a game that develops. It's a game of chess. It takes time. 
And we're trying to get kids to look at it on Twitter and say, wow, I was, I was wild by that bat flip. And while the bat flips are fun, bat flips don't create love for the game. You have to get to the park, learn the game, see what's developing. You need time. And there's no better way to get people to spend their time than let them know it's free. The adults that bring them will be paying money. So it's not like the whole trip's free. And who knows? Maybe you could try it in the first month of the season. First month of the season when attendance is usually down, give it a try. Owners potentially could give it a try. Parks would be filled up. They would. It's not going to be sold out, I understand. But you're going to boost attendance. And you never know. It might help. Just an idea, okay? That's just an idea. I want to know what people think. Um, I personally think that that idea could work because what, what hurt could it possibly be to have a 10 year old kid at the park for free? He's going to still go get chicken fingers, cold stone, all that. And he's got an adult paying for him or not. Is it really worse to have him there for free than not having him there at all? I I personally can't see that. So I I think it's a good idea. Um, I hope that, that we can really find ways to be creative. We can, we can try to improve the game for young people. Cause I know everyone just says, well, we can just get rid of the shift. And now 11 year olds are going to love the game again. I don't think that's it. I really don't. I don't think it's just that simple. I don't think it's a rule change. that's going to change. I don't think it's going to be extra home runs. I think you just have to get people there. Once people are there, they'll probably enjoy it. So I hope that we do something. I really do. Um, and I wanted to transition to the Wheel of Fortune deal because I've been defending this kid all day. And people are, it seems, blaming the generation. And in a way, I agree. In a way, I agree. Because we have social media. Social media is a disaster, okay? I, it, it seems to me that it, everything is so incredibly negative. Everybody has something to say, but it's never positive. And when you do have something to say positive, somebody else just chimes in, they just step in and out of rooms and just say, that's that thing is shitty and leave. That's our dialogue today. And in turn, everybody's depressed. Everybody's anxious. Everybody feels like if they try anything, they're going to get shit on. And long behold, here we are wheel of fortune. And I guess there was a puzzle that he filled out where it was very clear what it was. It was another feather in your cap. And they looked at it and, and he, on national television, he blanked out that he was nervous. Understandably so. Being on television is very uneasy. You understand you're being watched by millions of people. And he just couldn't figure out the puzzle. He essentially drew a blank on national television and he got it wrong. He was then shit on on social media, which I guess is fine. I mean, you're going to get made fun of when you when you do something like that, you're going to be made fun of. That's all fine. But what I'm starting to realize is that he came out after the show and said that it was the most humiliating thing that he's ever dealt with in his life. And that it was a nightmare. And people looked at it and said, oh, he's turning himself into the victim. And I'm looking at it and saying, how exactly can society walk into every room, tell everybody they suck at everything while sitting on their taint eating hot Cheetos at home and think that it's going to have no impact. And then suddenly turn around and compare people 
in the 90s and 80s who literally dealt with nothing in terms of social pressure. There was no social pressure at all when I was in elementary school, nothing. In the late 90s, nobody could tell me Jack. If I wore a shitty shirt, nobody said anything to me except for maybe four or five students at school. Now you wear a dog shit shirt and you post it on Instagram and you're a laughing stock. You're trending. What the hell are you wearing? What is that filter? What's wrong with your leg? And people look at it and say, well, the people in Michael Jordan and, and, and all these guys from the 90s and, and me who, who was raised in the 90s and 80s, we would have dealt with it. You didn't deal with this shit. You really didn't. You did not deal with social media. It's incre- it is a cesspool. This place sucks. And people say, well, if you think it sucks, why don't you just disengage? That's what you should do. You should disengage. Um, and then how exactly are people supposed to get information anymore? Because the people delivering the information, our media, they don't deliver anywhere else other than social media. The Jeff Bassans of the world, yes, they have news articles, but for the most part, they deliver their information in real time on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all these platforms. And they're very educational for the most part, but no matter what, you're engulfed in negativity. So this dude's sitting there looking at it and he's saying, this is the worst day of my life. And everyone goes, are you shitting me? And I go, uh, this, of course, this is the worst day. All of his validation, all of everyone's validation is on social media, it's on Twitter, Twitter, Instagram. If you tweet something stupid, you get shit on. That's all that happens. People are going to shit on you. So what do people do in turn? Then this is what social media is today. People look in the room and say, what is the majority thing? Who's... All these people are going to defend me if I say this. Okay, I'll say it. That's what we do. So now what you've discovered, everyone should discover this at some point. We've created a society where nobody wants to go outside and try anything because they're scared to fail because of ridicule. And everyone is just comparing it to past generations and saying, well, this generation would have done it differently. No generation other than today's generation and in futures will ever deal with pressure like this. And it's only getting worse. They're quite literally hopping onto a game show for goofballs. They're literally there to make money. And it turns into the worst event of your life because you couldn't come up with some stupid ass puzzle because everyone at home thinks they can do better. Everyone thinks they can do better. Hell, I'm running this show. There's people who watch the show going, I can do a better job than he's doing. And my answer is always, if you think you can do a better job than somebody else, you should try at it. That's my advice. Always. I'll encourage it. I'll, help, I'll try to help it grow. Always. But people are looking at, pe- there's people looking around and just saying everything stinks. And then they wonder, why is everybody anxious? Why is everybody, why is everybody killing themselves? Why? I'm like, are you, are you guys looking what I'm looking at? This generation doesn't like anything. They all, the only thing that people enjoy in this generation really is listening to what people like personally, they'll have a one-on-one conversation with you. Go, oh, who do you like? Do you like Drake? Oh, well, I like I like Gunna. Oh, oh, do you like do you like Michael Jackson? Well, he sucks. I like Prince. He's better. He 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 does. He's the, with the piano. Michael Jackson can't play the piano, and and that's what it is now. Oh, oh, Michael Jordan sucks because he he can't shoot threes the way LeBron can. Everyone everyone just sucks. Isn't that interesting? That now every everyone was so good in the '90s and 2000s. Our entire childhood, we all just had so much fun. People were less anxious. 
And now that social media is available, we have all this information. We hear from literally everybody. Anyone can contact you. We all think we all suck at everything. We don't want to try anything. That's just, that doesn't make sense to me. And I'm pro making fun of people. I make fun of people all the time, all the time. At the same time, I give people their props. And for the most part, no one gives anyone their props. Nobody lends an ear and everyone's like, oh, you, you show up on Wheel of Fortune. Nobody can understand how you can miss that puzzle. I don't, I don't get that. It's a weird environment, dude, weird. And, and then we also have this, this issue with, I, I, I want to pronounce her name correctly. I know it's wrong. It's Dua Lipa. That, that sounds wrong, but she has a song that I'm fully aware of. Um, and it's called Levitating. And Levitating is a song that off the rip, when you hear it, you think this song's not good, but you can tell like Blurred Lines with Robin Thicke, when you hear a song like this, you can tell it's going to be popular. And in a way, there's an art to that. Making a song that's incredibly mainstream, they're going to play it at Planet Fitness. They're going to play it at your local gym. They're going to play it at Chili's. It's just a good vibe. That's what the song Levitating is about. And obviously, as you can imagine, it made millions of dollars and she's going to win awards for the song, you know, rightfully so, um, to each of their own. If people like this song, so be it. I don't have to like it, but there's a lawsuit because apparently she copied this reggae band from 2017 that made a song called Live Your Life. Now, when you compare the two songs, the songs are literally identical. The songs could not be more similar, except for the fact, and this is key, okay? Dua Lipa's song is good. Wildly good in comparison. That song by the article sound system is not a good song. And do yourself a favor and listen to the song and you'll hear the similarities. You, you can definitely hear the beat and the, t- the tune and all that. All of it's the same. But the way they did it was just not a good song. And as you can imagine, once you listen to it, it was not a popular song. So they're sitting here now with a lawsuit and they want pretty much all the proceeds from levitating. And my perspective is this. They should be, they should hardly get anything. And that might be controversial because some people are look at it and say, well, they plagiarized their entire style and their entire beat. And it's like, yeah, I mean, that's technically true. But at the same time, how much money would they have made off this song if she didn't make levitating? The answer is they're making dog shit right now. They're not making any money. If anything, they're making more money today because I'm talking about it because everybody's talking about it. Because of levitating. If levitating wasn't made, they wouldn't be making any money off this song. You've never heard of this group. I am literally telling for the most part, probably 90% of this audience has never heard of this group at all. So my thought is this, you can potentially give them maybe a little kickback and say, Hey, we're, you know, we're sorry about, about the copyright of this song. Maybe you get, you get a little kickback, but at no point should you be able to make macaroni and cheese and have it taste like ass. And then somebody else says, I'm going to try the exact same thing. And it blows up and it's, it's a Michelin star level Mac and cheese. And suddenly you want proceeds. No, you can't cook. Okay. 
If you make a product that's bad and somebody else makes the same product and it's great, you shouldn't, you don't deserve a lot of money from them. I don't, I, I personally can't wrap my mind around that. And this really shouldn't be controversial, but at the same time, they probably don't really care how right or wrong they look. This is a huge cash grab. And ultimately their group is probably never going to see money like that. They just won't. Okay. So, um, I would love to talk about this on social media. You guys know where to find me at Gary Sheffield jr. Um, and that's on every platform. I want to talk about this. I really want to talk about the idea of having 10 year olds come into free 10 year olds and under coming in free and this Dua Lipa story, because to me, it, the answers are obvious. You just have to like really take a step back and ask yourself, like, what, what do we do in terms of baseball? And like, how do we actually get people in the stadiums? And to me, just asking 10 year olds and making it bat flips and trying to make it more fun to me, that doesn't, that's not solving anything. We're trying that we're doing it. It, It's there's, that's not the answer. I want to try different things. So let me know what you guys think in the comments or on Twitter. I will get back to you. I usually get back to everybody. So I appreciate you guys so much. And I'll talk to you guys next week. Before it hits the